the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Tuesday, January the 14th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on January 14, 1994, President Bill Clinton and Russian President Boris Yeltsin, they signed an accord to stop aiming missiles at any other nation. I think translated, that means at each other, us and them. The leaders were also joined by the Ukrainian president. They signed an accord with him to dismantle the nuclear arsenal of the Ukraine. Today in 1784, the United States ratified the Treaty of Paris that ended the Revolutionary War. Britain signed it, but it took them a little longer. They didn't sign it until April of 1784, a couple of months. They had to think it over. Today in 1914, Ford Motor Company greatly improved its assembly line operation by employing an endless chain to pull the chassis along at its uh, Highland Park, Michigan plant. That changed automobile industry forever, and it set the mark for what would become now just normal for the, um, for the automobile industry and other industries as well. Prior to this, I have read, no, I wasn't around then, but I've read that the what the guys did that were assembling these cars, the workers would move. The cars were all set in a row in these big buildings, and the workers would move from car to car to car, building it. And at each little post, there would be different items there. Uh, like, I, I mean, I don't know, but like a radiator at one place and the doors at another place of the car, whatever. And... Um, Ford took a look at this, and he, he, he was thinking of ways to improve it. So he realized that it would be easier to move the cars than to move all the employees and, and just have the employees do the same thing over and over over again. They would be more efficient, and they would be better at doing it because they would perfect their part of the assembly. Anyway, it's very interesting. Um, that happened uh, today, 1914. They made the big switch. Today, in 1942, President Roosevelt, FDR, he ordered that all aliens in the United States to register with the government. Those were perilous times. We look back from 2020 and we say, oh, my goodness, how could he? But, you know, we know things today that they didn't know in 1942 and 41 and 43 and 4 and so on. They were fighting for their life. America was fighting for its life. Let's keep that in mind when we become critical of these old guys who did things in their times. Perhaps, perhaps they were they knew more than we know today about some of these things. Today, in 1954, Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio, famous baseball player, they were married in San Francisco at the City Hall. The marriage lasted. Nine months, kind of nine innings, just like a baseball. No, we won't go there. But today, 1963, George Wallace was sworn in as governor of Alabama. He made the pledge, segregation forever. 
Later he said, oh, I didn't really mean that. I just said it. Today, in 1964, former former First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy, it was in a very brief televised address, she thanked Americans for their condolences and messages of support that came following the assassination of her husband, President John F. Kennedy, about two months prior, as you will recall. Today, in 1968, the Green Bay Packers football team of the NFL, they defeated the AFL's American Football League's Oakland Raiders. That was the second AFL-NFL World Championship game. I saw that game. I saw the first one, in fact, a year ago on that about that date. We now call it the Super Bowl. They called it the World Championship back then. I remember watching the first Super Bowl, I mean the first championship game, which is now the Super Bowl, and the stadium was, it was only about half full. And I remember distinctly, I thought it was a great idea because I liked football, And I remember the announcers talking about the fact they said, well, we don't know if they'll do this again next year because the crowd, there was only about half half of the stadium was filled. I mean, there wasn't a lot of interest in it. Well, compare that and contrast that with the Super Bowl now. It dominates a month, basically, uh, in America and generates billions of dollars in revenue and advertising and so on. Today, in 1975, the House Internal Security Committee, it had formerly been known as the Un-American Activities Committee, they disbanded it. I guess there were no more communists in America. Today, in 1989, President Ronald Reagan delivered his 331st and final weekly White House radio address. He said, believe me, at the end of the speech, he said, believe me. Saturdays will never seem the same. I'll miss you. Well, many people in America miss him, too. I'm one of them. Oh, he wasn't perfect, for sure. But he was a great president. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was at uh, Stanford University yesterday at the, uh, at the uh, Hoover Institution. That's a conservative think tank group based on that campus there at Stanford University. He said he told the press that uh, President Trump's assertion that the um, Soleimani had been plotting imminent attacks when the president ordered the airstrike that killed him was absolutely true. He said, my judgment is the president made the right call. In another article this morning, I read that the president had spoken to the Justice Department, including Uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and the Justice Department several months earlier and talked to them about the legalities and what he as president could and could not and should and should not do. He was seeking counsel. You get the feeling from the news media that Trump is just running around not seeking anybody's counsel and he's kind of like a a drunken cowboy on Main Street with a gun in his hand And, and that isn't at all what's going on behind the scenes. But That's the impression that we get from just reading the secular news, the mainstream news, as it's called sometimes. But uh, Pompeo said uh, it's what I recommended to him. He said there is, in fact, a set of imminent attacks that were being plotted by Soleimani. He said it was unmistakable. Yet the press every day, they come out, the press every day, they come out and say, well, what, what were they? We want to know the details. Well, sometimes the press isn't, you know, doesn't need to know all the details because they take the details and they 
they run with it and they expose people and sometimes put people at risk who are working undercover for the United States. And I think most of us understand that. The press understands it if the Democrats are in control. But if the Republicans are in the in the Oval Office, then they don't understand that. It, it's a it, it's a very basic duplicity, and we all know that we see it. But that's really what's at at stake here, and I think that's what we're seeing kind of played out before our eyes. The intelligence community is saying the same thing. They say it's their view, and again, I'm not defending Trump. I, I mean, let's just get real and look at what's really happening here. It was their view that the risks were real, they were growing, and that the actions that Trump took the other day and took out this Soleimani reduced that risk significantly. That's what they're saying. Well, Nancy Pelosi has moved her (laughs) just between you and me. Nancy Pelosi has made a fool of herself through this impeachment thing. I think she knows it because I've been kind of watching some of the close-up video of her and in her eyes, I see an uncertainty, I think. I don't know her. And I'm not overanalyzing her, for sure. I don't like. I don't even like to watch her, but I've been paying attention. But in her eyes, when she says certain things, you can kind of tell. I don't know if it's discernment or just, you know, if you've been around a few years. She almost looks like she doesn't believe what she's saying, but it's the next thing to say on the path that she's set herself on. And the path that she's on, I think, is is more progressive, more so-called progressive, much further to the left than even leftist Nancy Pelosi wants to be. But she, her thirst for power is the driving force in her life. That's my, that's my evaluation. And whatever it takes, and that is, of course, the progressive ideologies, whatever it takes, the end always justifies the means in the mind of the progressive, so-called. And that's what I see. I, I see her going on and saying, you know, think, I mean, it looks like just looking at her up close when she's talking sometimes, when she's angry, then that goes away. But when she's just kind of normal, if she is, I see, I see kind of a reticence of, 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 I wish I didn't have to do this in her eyes. And I, I think sometimes whether we want to seek the truth or not, the truth invades us because the truth is God's word. And the truth is that the truth will never pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word and God's word is the truth. And it is the truth, not only theologically, but it is the truth in life and in the universe. Because it is God, not man, that created the universe. And it works. And we count on the fact that a certain planet will be in a certain place at precisely the time. And it will be. It always is. Because God created organization, dependability, accuracy in the universe that he spoke into existence. And when you look at it from that perspective... And you see, all of us are broken and all of us are have sinned and, and all of us need a savior and we need restoration. But when you look at people trying to be God, sometimes you not only disagree with them, 
and sometimes are angered by them, but often feel sorry for them. You see, the battle that they're fighting cannot be won. Because God is God, truth is truth. And the more we seek truth, and the more... I, I know, can any politician seek, seek truth? Yeah, I think, I think some of them can and do. And the more we seek truth, the more clarity, the more peace, the more common sense makes its way into the marketplace. Senator Ted Cruz, anyway, Nancy said this morning she's going to send the articles of impeachment, the two, to the Senate, which she is supposed to do under the Constitution. She's been sitting on it playing a power game for the last number of days, a couple of weeks, in fact. So she now says she had a meeting, a secret meeting this morning, and she's going. they're going to send them over. Well, of course they were going to send them over. Anyway, Ted Cruz is saying this morning, he said, I think at the end of this process, and Ted Cruz is not only a good guy, I like Ted Cruz a lot. I don't know him personally, but I like him a lot. But he's also a, a, recognized as a constitutional scholar. I mean, he could serve on the Supreme Court. He's capable of that, and I think he's qualified. A lot of people think he's qualified to do that as well. But anyway, he said, I think this morning, he said, I think at the end of this process, these articles of impeachment are going to be thrown out. And um, he said, he was talking to Fox News this morning. He said, and I think it's going to end not with a dismissal, but with a verdict of not guilty. I don't want to get too deep into this because there's another uh, topic that I want to talk to you about this morning you need to know about. Um, because it's about you, <laughs> but um, he said, he said, and the way it works in the Senate, I'm quoting Cruz, he said, and the way it works in the Senate is when you come to vote on verdict, you vote on each article. There's, there's two of those, of course. Okay, back to quoting um, Cruz. And each senator will vote either guilty or not guilty. And the reason why this ends with an acquittal is very simple. The House hasn't met the constitutional threshold. Ted Cruz said the Constitution specifies for impeachment of a president that you have a you have to demonstrate bribery, treason, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. He said they haven't done that. In fact, he said this is the first time in the history of our country that any president has been impeached without even so much as an allegation of criminal conduct. He said they have not alleged in these articles of impeachment that the president violated any criminal law. They haven't alleged he violated any civil law. They haven't even alleged the president has a speeding ticket. And for that reason, this doesn't meet the constitutional standard of high crimes and misdemeanors. So at the end of this process, he said, will be an acquittal. And I think that's probably in about a couple of weeks. Then he went on to say, that's the end of quote. But then he went on to say that he said, of course, it could go several weeks, up to six weeks, depending on the witness thing, how many witnesses they, they bring in and and all of all of that, I would predict, and there's much more to that, but that was the essence of what Ted Cruz was saying this morning, which I add a, a great deal of, of value to, because as I said, he's he's a constitutional scholar. He's very, 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 very smart on these kind of things. Um, I think they're going to bring try to bring in a bunch of witnesses. I hope Mitch McConnell doesn't go along with that game, because it is a game. What Ted Cruz says here is true. If Donald Trump committed a crime, he should be tried for that crime. And if, if, if it really is meets the, the standard of the Constitution, he should be removed from office. And I think 
Bill Clinton or whomever should be if they meet that threshold of of a crime or a misdemeanor, high crime, misdemeanor. So that hasn't happened. And yet they press on because their hatred for this man drives them to do whatever is, I mean, they'll do anything. They'll say anything. They'll try anything to try to get rid of him. And it's, a, it's an amazing thing. I mean, there's always been political differences. And, you know, and, I mean, there's been duels over political disagreements in the history of our country. But, man, I've never seen anything like I, I mean, there were people that really didn't like Barack Obama. I really didn't like him, not personally, but politically, professionally. He stood for everything I've given my life to preach against, to preach the gospel, to preach the truth of God's word as a pastor, as in missions and missionary work and whatever. I mean, I, I just couldn't disagree with anyone more than he and Hillary and all that. But I watched carefully during that period of time, and I didn't see anybody, anybody in the conservative, Christian, even Republican camp that even approached anything like what we're seeing today because the hatred level wasn't there. The disagreement level was, but not the hatred. And these people have abandoned disagreement. And they're, I mean, they're just operating fully on hatred and they've lost touch with reality they've lost touch with common sense and I think America has seen that I, I mean maybe I'm wrong but I don't think so I think we're seeing that now now there's a new anti-Trump Republican group Republican group not Democrat Republican group that has produced its first anti-Trump ad and you got to know about this. I'm going to tell you about it. It targets evangelical Christians. These are Republicans who have done this. The video is titled The Mega Church. You know, we hear a lot about mega churches. That means big churches. Well, this is mega, M-A-G-A, Make America Great Again, the slogan that Trump used in the first, in the 2016 election. And um, that's the title of this video. It's out there, and boy, it's brutal. It's designed to mock and berate evangelicals who voted for Trump and who may vote for him again in 2020. By their own admission, they're saying they want to peel off some of the people that may have questions about what they're doing. They may question whether they're doing the right thing by voting for him. They are that committed to getting rid of him. These, these are Republicans who also hate the man. They do. I'll come back to that in a moment. I just want to thank you for your support. We are here today because there are those of you who support us. If you if you approve or if you think there's value to what we're doing, and many of you do, and, and again, thank you so much for your support. But if you're listening and perhaps have been or maybe a new listener, if you feel that what we're doing has value, I'd like to ask you to consider, even prayerfully consider, becoming a supporter of this ministry. We are not trying to build an organization. We are trying to inform people wherever and whomever we can speak to. Not because we have all the answers. I don't. But I know who does. And everything we do, we we say and do and think and put forward on this program, we do so with a high sensitivity and our heart and mind 
and our spirit open to the Lord and to his word. We look at everything through a biblical context, a biblical worldview, and we look at what's happening in our world as we speak. That's why we do this program. Initially, it it originates every morning live. Some of you listen to it a little bit delayed, but it's it's within a couple of hours of being live. We we start the day with this program live every weekday, and that's why we do it. It's an extra effort. It's easier to just put them in the can and play them at the right time, put them in the computer, and boom, they come on. It eliminates a lot of problems. It elim- eliminates a lot of work for a lot of people. I'm only one of those. There are other people who do extra duty to make this happen, and I'm thankful to them, too, and I tell them from time to time, and I tell them now, thank you. But we do it for that reason. We want to be as current as we can be on what's happening in our world. And um, this video was just (coughs) introduced through the New York Times, and I want to make you aware of it. But thank you for your support. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 988. Zero zero nine box three nine nine Bellevue Washington nine eight zero zero nine ABC News is reporting that a group of Republicans I'm quoting their news group of Republicans want to tank not thank but tank Trump and are organized funded and out with their first ad targeting presidential uh, candidate Donald Trump the video features a string of unflattering clips of the president along with his message. And the message of these people is this. If this is the best American Christians can do, then God help us all. And that's put across the screen. I wrote an article on this today, and it's on our website, Faith and, just Faith, A-N-D, Freedom, all one word, dot us not dot com but dot us you can go on there and read the whole thing and there's links to all of this and the ad is in the article that i wrote today you need to see it it's uncomfortable if you're a christian these guys were i think supernaturally inspired in some of this really i do and not from the lord i mean boy it cuts to the heart it's it it's going to impact people it's going to call into question why any Christian would vote for Donald Trump. And in doing so, they are advocating and suggest, not just suggesting, but almost demanding that it's worth it to vote for someone who stands for, whether it's, it's Bernie, the socialist, or whomever. And these are Republicans. But they are advocating that it's better to vote for someone who is a champion of abortion, a champion of homosexuality and transgenderism and all of the things that the Bible is so clear on, it's better to vote for them than it is to vote for a Trump who uses foul language and says things he ought not to say. And there's an element of truth in that. Donald Trump does say things he ought not to say. And these people are capitalizing on that and they are extrapolating from that that we evangelicals who voted for Trump and probably will in in the next election this year, 2020, are somehow taking a stand against God. It's brutal. And you should see it. And the ad, the ad is there. It's only, I don't know, it's a, I think it's a minute. It's not very long, but it's powerful. It's, it's well done. And boy, it strikes at the heart of the conservatives, the Christians, 
who voted for Trump. So be sure to take a look at that, faithandfreedom.us. You can sign up there and get our article, our blog that we put out every day. There's no obligation. You don't get a bunch of other stuff. We don't share your address, your email, or whatever with anybody, ever. We never have, and we never will. Trust me on that. I, I feel very strongly about it. So if you want to get it every day, just sign up when you go to that, and we publish something. We Sometimes we talk a lot about it on this program, sometimes not so much. But anyway, it's there today. The group launched itself in a New York Times story. It's called The Lincoln Project. Their mission statement says, We are Republicans. We want Trump defeated. The tagline says, The president and his enablers, that would be people who voted for him, have replaced conservatism with an empty faith led by a bogus prophet. Ironically, this group, this Lincoln Project, was put together by George Conway. He's a an elite lawyer in Manhattan, New York. He's the husband of Trump advisor Kellyanne Conway. It's been widely known in the press that they have had a very strong disagreement. She supports Trump and is an advisor to him, and apparently he feels that she's you know, loyal to him or she wouldn't be there. And her husband is taking him on. But one thing that is missed in the press often, and I know this for a fact, <laughs> George Conway wanted to be appointed to the Supreme Court, and he kind of thought he might be because his wife worked for Trump, among other things, and he would be qualified, I guess, in the place of Gorsuch. That didn't happen, and people that I know who know him say he has never gotten over it. So that's part of what's driving this. In fact, probably a big part in what he's doing. But there's a bunch of other guys there that have worked for Bush and other people that are part of this group. They're all Republicans. They're all committed to getting rid of Trump, to taking him out, is their words. But this Lincoln Project statement, I I have their statement in the article that I wrote today. I'm simply referring you to that because we don't have time to go into all of it on the program today. But take a look at it. Patriotism, the survival of our nation in the face of the crimes, corruption, and corrosive nature of Donald Trump are a higher calling than mere politics, they say in their statement. That's why we are announcing the Lincoln Project, an effort to highlight our country's story and values, its people's sacrifice obligations. And they say in this statement, it's a long statement, but they say in that over the next 11 months, our efforts will be dedicated to defeating President Trump and Trumpism at the ballot box and to elect those patriots who will hold the line. They go on to say that uh, it is far worse than simply, indeed, uh, national Republicans have done far worse than simply marching along to Mr. Trump's beat. Their defense of him is imbued with an ugliness, a meanness, a willingness to attack and slander those who have shed blood for our country, who have dedicated their lives, careers to its defense, and on and on they go. Congressional Republicans have embraced and copied him to their detriment, they say. I'm not sure about that. Our our peril far outstrips any past differences, the statement says. I think that's a reference to maybe George Conway's differences with the president. But it's arrived at our collective doorstep, and we believe that there is no other choice. We sincerely hope, but are not optimistic, that some of those Republicans charged with sitting as jurors in a likely Senate impeachment trial will do likewise. So they're calling on him to be removed that way, but they don't expect it, and that's why they started this organization. They are moving it forward. Evangelicals have responded 
Dr. Robert Jeffress, pastor of the 20,000-member First Baptist Church, has responded. We'll talk more about it tomorrow.